Now that just about everybody for UCLA basketball is declared for the NBA draft, there's two guys who could come back, Adam Bona or Jalen Clark, in terms of injured players who might return. Max and I debate who would we rather have come back. We'll flip a coin and talk about it next on Locked On UCLA. You are Locked On UCLA, your daily podcast on the UCLA Bruins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back once again to the Locked On UCLA podcast. It's Zach Anderson, Yoxheimer, alongside Max Kelton today. We're talking lots of hoops and everything in between. As we thank you for making this your first listen each and every day. It's free wherever you get your podcast available on YouTube. Like, comment, subscribe over there. Download wherever you listen to it if it's audio only. And become an everyday listener because we try to talk about just about everything UCLA athletics. And we really get into the nitty gritty in this basketball offseason. So we're doing something a little different. Who would you rather have? Would you rather have an injured Jalen Clark or an injured Adam Bona return? The, the twist of this little segment to start the show is we don't know which side of the coin we're going to debate. Max is going to flip a coin. I'm going to call it in the air, and I'm going to choose which player, if I get the coin flip correct, uh, that I want to advocate UCLA should have. And Max will advocate for the other side. And there's no lose-lose, but we, we're going to have a little fun debate about it. So, Max, you're going to flip the coin I'll call it in midair, and I'll let you know what it is. You ready, Max? Yep. Heads. It is. It is heads. It is heads. I ah. can't really show you, but yeah. Okay. So yeah. you're 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 calling, yeah. Ooh. Okay. So either Jalen Clark <laughs> or a Dembona. I, I know you said you had a you had a a side you wanted to advocate for, but I will go with Jalen Clark. So I'm going to advocate for Jalen Clark as to why he should return and why if you had to choose between one or the other, you would go with Jalen Clark. Jalen Clark is one of those guys. I know the, the lower leg slash Achilles injury is somewhat concerning. There's big debate whether he's available to even play in December to mid-January or even down the line this upcoming season. That's all up in the air. But what he showcased on the floor he could be a tenacious defender, come and prove. I even know, know you guys in the comments saying, and what we've seen, he needs to improve his jump shot and become more consistent. There's times at the end of the year, he would go and rush his shots in the lane, be a little short, a little long. His road three-point shooting was just not efficient so far th- this le- most recent season. And he's made strides in every year. So if he was able to come back for UCLA, you get the best defender in the country back. You have... Someone who could score double figures per game already in a team that's looking for someone to shoulder some of the offensive load with none of the top six returning offensive options returning as of this moment. And then just a solid rebounder and a veteran presence to lead this locker room just on the floor and no McCronin system because there's not too many returners coming back. I don't know your thoughts about that, Max, but I just think Clark would be an excellent choice. If healthy and available, I think I'd want Clark. Sure, you want Clark because he was the best defender uh, in in the country, the Naismith Defender of the Year. Let me ask you a question, Zach, though. Was he the best defender in the country on one leg? He got injured in March. That Achilles tear is not going to be healed in time for him to play next season. It just doesn't make sense for him to return and play at the level that we expect out of him and, frankly, the level that 
on a national level, folks folks expect out of him. So I don't see how that return makes nearly as much sense as the reigning freshman of the year coming back and trying to improve not only his defensive game, but his offensive play as well. And I think that he would be an even better addition for this team because it's a hole that the Bruins need to fill. Fairly deep at that guard position, they've added a few pieces that could maybe su- subsequent uh, the, the losses this year. What they haven't added is a big, right? Kenneth Nuba comes back, Matt Gates, he had some questions in the air about him. But Adem Bona was the guy and a young man who certainly has more to develop in his game. I just I think it, it would be a mistake if he doesn't return. And of course he declared just a day or two ago. But hey, with that that shoulder injury, it makes more sense in my mind. And I'm sure that his his inner circle saying something similarly. If you can't get a bag in the first round or so, just go back to school. Enjoy your time as a Bruin in Westwood. That makes sense to me, and I'm hoping it makes sense for Bona as well. Yeah, but Bona, I have to say, a torn labrum. He tried to play in the NCAA tournament, then couldn't play in the biggest game of the year. I mean, he's got the athleticism. Why not, you know, go to the pros, see how it goes, and he might be ready to play a little bit sooner than, you know, Jalen Clark and might want to go to the NBA and see how that goes. Jalen Clark can maybe make a little bit more on that NAL money, right? Get some more endorsements, depending on if, you know, he comes back, they pay him. That could work a little bit in his favor. And in terms of the bigs, uh, I do know a day Mara might be in the wings coming. That is still kind of up in the air. That is very quiet, but he is leaning towards UCLA. So I think the Bruins might be filling that up in, you know, they might have two bigs. Does Bona even come back and they bring in Mara? UCLA, there's no true replacement for a Jalen Clark. I just don't think there is. Bona, they're working on it. They just don't have it officially yet. From everything I've heard, Dylan Andrews has all the potential to be a Jalen Clark-esque defender. I mean, I think we might talk about it a little bit more on the show later, but Andrews could step into that role. He just didn't as much playing as much opportunity is Arctic this year, uh, but Bona, on the other hand, nobody is going to step in and produce the way that he did. And, and, and you talk about his offensive efficiency. He was near a 70% shooter from the field. I mean, you just don't get that at this level, especially playing in, in one of the tougher conferences in the country, a tough non-conference schedule. You know, I just – I. I would expect Bona to shine if he returns. It takes about two to 12 weeks for a labrum tear to, to fully heal, depending on the severity. And he's not really able right now to work out for these, these teams that are looking to draft him. Neither I mean, one there's of these so players. many questions, right? So many questions up in the air. Frankly, in my mind, it doesn't really make sense for either of them to go to the NBA draft, but it, we're living in a reality where the entire starting lineup has declared, right? So it, it, the, the real question is, which of these players can get more out of returning? And I think Adem Bona has the potential, if he comes back, shines the way that we know he's capable of, uh, I, I think that he could be a lottery pick next year. That's what I see out of him. He doesn't really have a, a necessarily a ceiling. So uh, it just makes sense. Hey, nurse your labrum, come on back to Westwood and show the Bruins what you're made of. Yeah, McCronin would welcome either one of them, if not both, back with open arms. They still have quite a few open spots in terms of scholarships available, which makes this upcoming 
recruiting transfer portal cycle unique for Mick Cronin. But you, you mentioned something interesting. Dylan Andrews and his ability to be Jalen Clark-esque. What does that mean? I'm not sure. Do I agree with it? Uh, yeah, I think he needs a jumper, but we're going to discuss that next. But first, we'll tell you more about Built Bar, because just as this next this segment is going to be super exciting, something exciting is coming to Built.com, April 22nd. I don't got the details yet, but it's something you don't want to miss. If you know how Built works, you know they're the most incredible protein bars in the world. And when they drop these amazing flavors, they're unreal flavors in limited quality quantity. All you have to do is go to Built.com April 22nd. Be the first to discover what the new flavor, the new hype, everything. You don't want to know if you know what the new flavor is? I bet you don't. What could it be? It could be some crazy combo. Churro, peanut butter, peanut butter, cookie almond. Who knows? Go check it out. Use the promo code LOCKEDON15 and get 15% off your order. And check out that new flavor. Built is dropping it on April 22nd. Get over there. Just two days from now. Check it out. Cruising on in Locked On UCLA, Zach Anderson, Yoxheimer, Max Kelton, a little healthy debate, but you brought up something that was very interesting, Max. Dylan Andrews and the ability to potentially find the pieces for Mick Cronin to who can replace all the veterans and all the key contributors from last year. Well, Stefanovich comes in, he can be a ball handler, a volume shooter, have that defensive intensity. But you mentioned more Dylan Andrews as he's someone who could play some defense. I know you guys in the comments and everybody have been debating how important or maybe we've been sleeping on Andrews. So we're going to get it out in the air. We're going to hash it out right now. How important and what is the ceiling of Dylan Andrews? Well, the ceiling is a Jalen Clark-esque defender that can add about 13 points per game. I mean, that's got to be, in my mind, that's what I, I would expect is the best case scenario that he could play and fill the role of a Jalen Clark, you know, and you know it, it's it's interesting for me. I, I go back and forth my, myself with whether I want these players to fill the roles of players from last season or develop in their own roles. So I'm trying to debate with myself on that. We I like Stanovich. Everybody's talked about how he can come in and fill the role of Dave Singleton. I'm not sure if that's exactly what I want out of him. I mean, of course, he's a three-point shooter, so we can equate the two. That's where I'm trying to debate myself. You know, here, similar story, Dylan Dylan Andrews. Will he fill the role of Jalen Clark, or will he just be Dylan Andrews and try and shine when he gets more minutes? Well, the biggest thing for me is, one, Jalen Clark 6'7", which is why Stefanovich would make a little bit more sense to fill in for him defensively. In terms of that intensity, if we're talking more intensity as opposed to matchup, Andrews could bring that. He's 6'2", so he's going to be getting more guard-oriented matchups defensively. And I think for Andrews, he most importantly needs to d- develop a consistent jump shot. He had some key threes, 30%, 31%, not the worst three-point numbers in the world. Had the big chance to win the game at the end of the Pac-12 tournament championship against Arizona. <clears throat> he missed the open three, somewhat similar to what Amari Bailey had at the end of the Gonzaga game. But I just think, one... Andrews, he, he won't bring what Clark did because Clark could guard one through four to five, right? Andrews could bring that intensity, maybe be even more scrappy than Tiger Campbell is defensively, but can he develop the jump shot? That is the one thing that's got me wondering how much can he bring to the table? Will he be more of a facilitator, run the offense, or how much is Mick Cronin going to rely on the athleticism, 
which Dylan Andrews has. He had that big dunk, I believe, against Arizona earlier this year when he slammed it down, or Arizona State, I believe, and had the big dunk. It has a lot more athleticism than Tiger Campbell. But can he develop a consistent jumper to go along with his athleticism, and then he can become more of a full, complete player? Well, it's pretty clear that he's not the distributor that Tiger Campbell was, so I, I just wouldn't expect that out of him. But you know what? Toward the end of this last season, we did see a little bit more of a jump shot out of him, especially from deep. He went four for eight on his last eight attempts over those last four games, and three of those were in the NCAA tournament, including and, – and that's in, in addition to another two-for-four performance in that final Pac-12 championship. Sure, he missed that final shot, but I like to think of it as an opportunity for him to exact revenge moving forward. Say, okay, I've been here before. As a freshman, I didn't hit it. Now I know what to do. Now I can calm my nerves. But he was knocking down those three-pointers at the end of the season. And you talk about a, a, a third of his three-pointers this season came in those last four games. So he was more relied on toward the end of the year. And you could say, hey, that might be because – Singleton wasn't the player that he was because of a couple of injuries late in the season. That said, though, Dylan Andrews was a go-to three-point shooter. And I would expect him to to move a little bit more deeper into that role uh, moving forward. And I think that this is going to be a team that relies on the three a little bit more than they did this year. So I think Andrews, if he gets the opportunity, could be a terrific 3-and-D player that can add double-digit scoring. That's what I'm expecting and, frankly, hoping for out of this young man heading into his sophomore year. Well, we'll see. Andrews shot 43% from the field, only 31% from three, 66% from the free throw line as an average scorer of 3.3 points per game. I'm not sure if 3-and-D is exactly his calling this year. I might disagree with you there, Max. But uh, the thing that you're mentioning, the last six games that he played after the Jalen Clark injury, all consistent double-figure minutes. And he only played one game where he got more than 20 minutes of action. He got up to 18 a couple of times. So this is a guy that we haven't seen a lot much on the floor in terms of playing half the game. He played close to it, 18 minutes against UNC Asheville. Of course, the Bruins blew that game out of the water in the opening round of the NCAA tournament. But we still have a lot to see and a lot to be realized for Dylan Andrews, which is why we maybe haven't been on so high about him earlier in this offseason. There's a lot of potential, but what actually comes out when he's playing the big minutes, Mick Cronin tends to ask the guards that he relies upon every year. Yeah, I, I mean, I I think I think that this is a player that is going to and, and frankly needs to develop seriously into a breakout star this year if he has any any place in Mick Cronin's rotation. I mean, that's just – that's the track for him. That's the expectation. He was a three-year high school player in Los Angeles that moved up to Chandler um, where he, he was a star for, for uh, that team. Um, I'm forgetting the name of the high school, but he was – you know, it's it, – Compass Prep. You just – that. thank you. Thank you. Um, Compass Prep, who, who, by the way, has, you know, been a little bit more, uh, more pertinent uh, as of late after, you know, Andrew's transfer and – um, kind of developing that program, but you know, a, a point for another time. I think that he has a ceiling that that could be uh, very, very prolific for this Bruin roster. I just think he he's got to crack open that safe and try and find a new gear, and that's what I'm expecting next year. The biggest thing for this team upcoming is there needs to be a lot of development from the returners, and the newcomers will have to develop a lot 
in the year. And if it's a Demar who joins the likes of Elan Fible with Stefanovic, there's a lot of development and growth that will need to occur in the offseason and during the season for this UCLA team to truly contend at the highest of levels in 23 to 24. In the meantime, we're going to cruise on in Locked On UCLA. Finally, we're going to talk about UCLA men's volleyball. Max Kelton has called some UCLA men's volleyball games. He's seen John Sparra's squad, a team that, quite frankly, other than UCLA softball, might be the closest to competing for an NCAA title this spring, and they're heading into their conference tournament. What is the latest? What are the deets? And what's going to make them good and successful from this part of the season into the upcoming NCAA tournament in a couple weeks? Well, this is a team that it, it's the next man up mentality, and it's not one player that gets the job done. Each player provides something different, and they have the best shot this year um, in in many years to to be a title contender. They've been a top team in the country for years, you know, years uh, now, and and it, it comes as no surprise under Coach Spira that that this team has competed the way that it has. But that said. For the first time since 1995, 12-0 in conference play. Um, and they haven't won an MPSF title since I think it was 2006. So, you know, this team has to get over the hump. And the MPSF is a really tight conference. But the fact that they went undefeated – and it, it, by the way, look, it, it, it takes a lot to beat a team three times. Beating a team once is hard. Beating a team twice is incredibly difficult. Beating a team three times means that you are – far and away a better squad. I truly believe that UCLA is far and away a better squad than every team in the MP, excuse me, MPSF, because I've seen three or four of them this year. Um, I think the GCU and Stanford could give them a run for their money. I think Jalen Jasper and, 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 and Pepperdine, that's a good squad, but the Bruins what about just BYU? took it to them. BYU is just not on their game this year. It's not the same team that you've seen in the past. You're not playing in Provo, you know. And when you do play in Provo, by the way, at BYU, that's a really tough place to play. Uh, but the Bruins just, I mean, they swept through 12-0 and in conference play this season. I just don't see any team slowing them down until they can meet up with a Long Beach State or a Hawaii in the NCAA tournament. And frankly, I think that the Bruins, even then, have a really good shot to take them out and win a title. The other thing, too, is the MPSF over the years has been watered down. Since the Big West became a, an official sponsor of the yep. of men's volleyball, they really watered down what used to be a pretty tough MPSF conference, if I'm not mistaken, Max. And if you see that BYU's down, Stanford's only all right. I mean, what, they're only a few years past trying to get rid of men's volleyball. SC's way down. You've got what Concordia, who's not even a D1 program. They are, I mean, they, you know, they have the in men's volleyball, they can have D2 schools play at the D1 level and compete for championships. So you can just see what they're going against. And when you're that good, and at the moment, and what it normally is in men's volleyball, it's it's very top heavy. And UCLA is one of those top two or three contenders that should win the championship this year and should win this MPSF tournament running away, if I'm not mistaken. In my eyes, I think it's between four teams. I think it's Hawaii and Long Beach out of the Big West, Penn State, um, and and UCLA. And, you know, those four teams have been at the top of the entire country all season long. But the Bruins come into this week 
They lead the country in blocks. They lead the country in hitting percentage. They're second in the country in aces per set with nearly two aces per set. That's just those are those are really high numbers for somebody who you know for any novice who's not following volleyball as tightly as I am. You just don't get that many aces that frequently. And this team, it's do, it just doesn't come from one player. They have four players in the top 10 in aces per set. So it seems like any time somebody steps behind that back line, they cause havoc and, and set up teams out of system. So it makes teams uh, just kind of out of their rhythm, a little bit more difficult to get points against this Bruins squad. And look, they played 12 matches against MPSF teams this this uh, season. One each one of them three separate sets. They swept over Stanford in, in two. Uh, they, they swept over uh, BYU, swept over USC, right? They lost one set to GCU, who was, by, by the way, best GCU team we've seen in years. And they lost two sets um, in, uh, in, in consecutive days to Pepperdine, who has the best hitter, I think, Jalen Jasper, in the entire country. Aside from that, the Bruins have been just dominant. Nobody has their number. And I have been really impressed with Andrew Rowan running this offense. How about a freshman stepping in after he didn't start the year as the starting setter? Just has been magnificent. I mean, you can't say enough about that guy and how he has been a great addition to this offense led by Ito David, David Champlin, Merrick McHenry. I mean, top to bottom, Guy Gannis. This is a team that is just so good in so many places, and I think even its second unit might have a really good chance to win the MPSF title. So, hey, I would I would put my money where my mouth is. I think the UCLA Bruins are not only NCAA tournament bound, I think it's going to be with a, an MPSF championship title under their belt as well. Well, we'll find out more about UCLA men's volleyball. I believe the MPSF tournament starts today, April 20th, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, the Bruins, they look pretty set on competing this year for something greater than just a simple conference tournament or conference regular season title. But that's going to do it for us here in Locked On UCLA. We'll talk a little bit more football. They're past the halfway point in terms of spring practices. They've got more basketball news. At some point, we got to figure out who's going to fill out this roster for Mick Cronin. Women's basketball is doing big things. Softball is doing big things. We've got all sorts of content. We'll talk more baseball as well. That's why you've got to become an everyday listener of the Locked On UCLA podcast. Thanks for your support. Follow the show at Locked On Bruins. Download and subscribe to the audio versions of the show wherever you get your podcast, or subscribe on YouTube and like each and every show. Comment below, Jalen Clark or Dembona. Is Andrews the answer? Yes or no? Do you believe in UCLA men's volleyball? Do it all, and thanks for your support. This has been... Locked on UCLA for Max Kelton. I'm Zach Anderson. Yoxheimer, hands up, eight clap time, baby. And one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. U C L A. U C L A. Fight, fight, fight. This has been Locked on UCLA. Go Bruins.